From the Arthur Kill to Harlem River, from Westchester Creek to Flushing Bay, and right here on Atlantic Avenue in the borough of Brooklyn, it's 5 p.m. in the five boroughs. That means it's time for Max and Murphy, your interview and call-in show about the policies, politics, and people of New York City and New York State. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. Hey, this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Good to see you, Jarrett. You too, Ben. Uh, exciting times in the election cycle, and that's what we're really focused on here on this show and in this election season. Uh, we have been really closely looking at the Democratic primary for attorney general, both uh, on our podcast and now radio show, and also we've been doing a lot of work on it at Gotham Gazette, and we continue that today. That's correct. We have Sean Patrick Maloney, a congressman who is the fourth of the four Democrats running for attorney general that we'll have on the show. We've heard from Zephyr Teachout, uh, Letitia James, Alicia Eve, and now we'll hear from Congressman Maloney, who is simultaneously running for, at least at this stage, re-election to Congress and uh, the Democratic nomination for attorney general. So he's a very interesting candidate for attorney general. He actually ran once before in 2006. Uh, he helped flip a seat red to blue in 2012, and he's held on to that mid-Hudson Valley congressional seat that is always you know, seen as a possible pickup for Republicans, although he's held it very strongly. And so there's some questions around this AG run by him. You know, There's very few people who would say that he shouldn't run for an office that he really wants to hold, but there's questions certainly around whether his run makes his House seat vulnerable in a year when— Democrats are trying to flip the House and not lose seats that they've held on to in swing districts. So we'll get a chance to ask him about that in a couple minutes. So many storylines uh, popping. We have today Cynthia Nixon endorsing Zephyr Teachout in the attorney general race. That's big. And Mayor de Blasio making what we uh, what we know is his first endorsement in one of these former IDC primaries. Yeah, Mayor de Blasio came out today with an announcement. A little bit strange they didn't do an event around it, but he's backing Zellner Myrie in this district in central Brooklyn. This is sort of home territory for Mayor de Blasio. It's an area he's very familiar with. It's also an area where he's uh, certainly very popular, and we'll be digging into that race actually on next week's show, so we'll be able to talk to Zellner Myrie, who now has the endorsement of Mayor de Blasio, as he's challenging sitting state Senator Jesse Hamilton in one of these IDC races. And obviously last week on the show, in case you missed it, you can find the audio, we talked to the two candidates in another of these IDC controversial Democratic primaries last week. That's right, we did. We uh, heard from uh, uh, Robert Jackson and Marisol Arcantra in uh, northern Manhattan, 31st District, another tight Senate race. But I believe we have Congressman Maloney on the line. So welcome to WBAI, Max and Murphy. Uh, hello and welcome. Hi, great to be with you guys. Thanks for joining us. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette here with Jared Murphy from City Limits. Good to talk to you, uh, at least me for the first time. I think so for you as Jared as well. Um, so... Representative Maloney, just tell us a little bit about um, why you're running for attorney general and sort of what you're centering your campaign around. Why you for attorney general, if you could sort of give us that brief, you know, sort of elevator pitch overview. Yeah, you bet. Well, I should probably start by mentioning that I started the day in your home borough of Brooklyn, uh, Ben. We did a running town hall at, uh, at the borough hall and went out along the water and talked to a bunch of folks doing 30 town halls in the next 30 days, including a bunch of running town halls. Look, here's the deal on the race. The deal on the race is that I am somebody who has been on the front lines of, of, of the fight against first the Tea Party and now the Trump administration 
six years in the Congress, won three of the toughest congressional races in the country, beat Republicans three times in a row, have beaten them on that floor of the House on tough fights, protecting transgender service members, on protecting Barack Obama's executive orders against discrimination against the LGBT community and others, you know, winning and winning in court. I'm a real lawyer. I've been a partner at some of the uh, best law firms in the city, run real investigations, run major deals, negotiated major deals. So I have both the public and private sector experience, but I'm also the first openly gay member of Congress from New York. I'd be the first openly gay statewide elected official. My husband, Randy, and I have been together for 26 years. We had to wait 22 years to get married. When I got elected to Congress, it was illegal to get them health insurance. So I know what discrimination feels like in my own life. We have three children we've adopted together from very diverse backgrounds. So our family's in the crosshairs of this crowd in Washington, the Trump administration. And I don't feel like I'm doing enough. I've had people I know lose their parents to deportation who are having their families ripped apart by the policies of this administration. I don't think Democrats are doing enough. I don't want to hang around the hoop being some guy in Congress, you know, proud that I got some title and not getting anything done. I think the Democratic Party's been on defense too much. I want to get on offense, and that's why I'm running for attorney general. So if you are elected, when you are elected, I'm sure you hope, uh, you're attorney general of New York State. You're not in Congress anymore. Attorney generals, they react to events, obviously, but they also can come in with an agenda of things they want to accomplish and and issues they want to emphasize. What is going to be your first priority in January if you're sworn in? Yeah, check it out. I mean, obviously, it has to be Donald Trump, not just Donald Trump, the person who needs to be held in. Uh, his own shady business, his own accountability in the campaign, Russian collusion, whatever the Bob Mueller investigation may turn up. We're also talking about Trump, the administration, that is attacking New York in a variety of ways. Look no further than the attack on the LGBT community, on immigrant communities, but also state and local property tax reductions that are being attacked by this administration. The gateway tunnel, our environmental protection. I mean, in area after area, net neutrality access to Title X reproductive services for women. This administration has launched an all-out assault on New York and New York values. So that's right at the top of the list, man. But number two is public corruption in Albany. Uh, somebody needs to take a, take a sledgehammer to that place and really, really clean it up. We have been hearing this forever. That's why we need to change the way we do it. We need to stop talking about it and give the Attorney General independent authority to investigate public corruption from the governor on down. That doesn't exist right now. That needs to be priority uh, a priority as well. So let me jump and, in there and if you don't mind. And there's more. Yeah, there's more. Those are, those are right at the top of my list. Sure. No, we understand, of course, the attorney general's office has a lot of power, a lot of responsibility, and also a lot of leeway for the office holder to determine the agenda. Uh, so on that front, it sounds like you want sort of the blanket referral from whoever the governor is, if you're attorney general, to investigate public corruption, correct? Well, there should be no need for the attorney general to go hat in hand to the governor to investigate public corruption. Yes. I mean, I, we wouldn't ask Cy Vance to, to get permission from Bill de Blasio to do public, public corruption investigations in the city, for example. Why do we do it in the state? So you don't think that's even necessary for the attorney general to be more aggressive about public corruption? Wait, I think I'm saying the opposite. I'm think, uh, it's, it's, it's very important for the attorney general to be very aggressive in the area of public corruption. No, I was saying you don't, you don't need more authority 
Okay. Needs more authority. Underst- uh, absolutely. That's my point, is that the Attorney General needs real independent authority. It needs independence, too, by the way, but it needs actual independence, independent authority to do public sector corruption cases. Not in every case. And you can get creative by getting referrals from the controller, and in many cases, I'm sure, from the governor. Most cases would probably work out with those referrals. You can also be creative in, in, in other areas of independent authority, like going after sexual abuse in Medicaid-funded facilities or other areas where you've got specific and very broad jurisdiction. But it's nuts to make the attorney general ask the governor to investigate the governor, and, and that needs to change. Congressman Maloney, I was in a room 12 years ago, and you ran for this office before, and I remember you saying something very interesting, and this was at a time when New York State did not have legal same-sex marriage, and you were asked if someone were to sue the state um, and and try to invalidate its ban on same-sex marriage, uh, if you were Attorney General, how would you react to that, given you know your own personal and moral and political beliefs? And you said that the Attorney General had to do their job. I'm wondering if you still feel that way, and if you're elected and faced with a situation where your duty to defend the state and its position in law conflicts with your own opinions, how you will handle that? Yeah, well, thankfully that's not an issue anymore because the state of New York got its act together on same-sex marriage, and after that race you're talking about, I actually worked in the governor's office and helped David Nascenti and others draft the first governor's bill to create same-sex marriage you know, equality in New York. We introduced that bill in April of 2007, got it passed through the Assembly in June of that year. That had never happened before in New York, and I worked on that directly. So we have changed that, thank goodness. I mean, my family, my marriage depends on it. I think the point, I don't I remember the event or the conversation you're talking about, so you got a better memory than I do. Obviously, the point is that the Attorney General is state's counsel and has a responsibility to defend the state, even in times where that, that may be difficult. But the independence of the attorney general is also very important, and the attorney general gets to decide in in most cases when to use that authority, when to settle cases, how to dispose of them, when to bring them. That's why being independent is so important, by the way. That's why in this race it's important that I'm the most independent person in the race. I haven't been picked up as part of some insider process. I wasn't a campaign treasurer for a a candidate for governor like my opponents were. You want somebody who can make their own judgments on those issues because you're independently elected and you're supposed to act independently. But obviously, if there are moral issues that come up in the course of anyone's career, you accuse yourself, even if the office has to do something that you personally would not do. And, and that would be that would be my approach to a situation like that. But but it's a moot point at this point. So you mentioned wanting to see Democrats sort of go on the offensive more, be be tougher. I've you know seen in different interviews, and you even mentioned earlier in this conversation, uh, you know, going on the offensive, being a little uh, stronger among them. What do you mean specifically? I mean, what are Democrats, you know, as you look at not only your election, but of course, there's many swing districts in New York for state Senate and for the House, including the one that you currently represent is, you know, seen as, as possibly in play. Uh, especially if you're uh, victorious in the primary for attorney general and then decline to run. Yeah, that's, that's not, that's not going to happen, but I, I, I get your drift. Yeah, so, so anyway, <laughs> well, I mean, I've, well, we'll get back to your seat I've in a second, but but generally, you know, to be more specific, what do you think the Democratic Party needs to do better? Yeah, look, man, I, what I'm trying to say is that I, I am sick of the Democratic Party being scared of its own shadow. We used to be the, 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 the party of Bobby Kennedy. We used to be able to talk to young people and inspire them about the future, we used to be able to go into 
communities of color and talk about civil rights and mean it. We used to be able to be able to get on buses and put our, our, our bodies where our mouths were on that issue in the civil rights movement. We were the ones who were, who were bringing hope to Appalachia and to rural communities and to farm country, uh, to, to, to communities that have been left out and left behind. That's the party I want to be a part of, not one that's confined to the cities, not one that's confined to a certain group of voters or with a certain you know, postgraduate education. We, I'm winning in a Trump district as a gay guy with an interracial family. My goodness, I outperformed Hillary by 14 points in the last election, and Donald Trump won my district. And so just so to be what clear, I'm you're, telling you yeah, is that there is, there is a way for the Democratic Party to, to, to get in the game again and to get off defense. We, we are watching the Republicans control Washington, take over the Supreme Court. We are not winning. We are losing. I got great enthusiasm and hope for this election. And I'm thrilled that, uh, that so many people are participating and engaged. But the Democratic Party needs new leadership. It needs new blood. It needs new ideas and energy. And it starts by speaking from the heart and, and not listening to the pollsters and not, not being so scared that we might offend somebody. That's what I'm trying to say. So if you're victorious in the Democratic primary, you're obviously going to continue to run for attorney general and then not seek reelection to your House seat. Do you have the Correct. person, you have someone ready to take on that uh, that Democratic run in the general election for Congress who you're preparing to, to take on that challenge? No, man, and it would be wrong for me to do so. What, I, what I'm trying to tell you is that what I hear from Democrats is we're sick of a bunch of party bosses trying to pull strings from, from, some, from some spot behind the curtain or come out of some smoke-filled room and tell us who the attorney general is going to be because it works for a bunch of insiders' agendas. we, we got a thing called democracy. And what's going to happen is the, the county committees meet under law according to a process, and they identify a successor. Could I tell you six, seven people off the top of my head who would be great? Do I have a, do I have a weak opponent who's, who's, who's raising no money? We're going to beat them like a drum, and I want to help in every way I can. You bet. Am I going to get in there and give my two cents and coach? But I shouldn't be making that decision. That's what's gotten us into so much trouble in the Democratic Party is, is a bunch of insiders and party bosses think they think they should be telling the voters what's going on instead of instead of doing their jobs, which is to represent them. So, no, I'm not going to pick that candidate, but I guarantee you we're going to hold this seat. And we need to win more than one race at a time, by the way. So I'm proud that I beat a Republican in a tough district three times in a row, turned the district blue, have kept it blue, and that's why they couldn't find anybody to run against me. And that's why we're going to hold the seat this fall with, with whichever candidate is picked through the, through the fair and open process that the voters deserve. So we are on the air with Congressman Sean Patrick Maloney, a Democrat running for Attorney General. And if you want to call and ask him a question, the number is 347-335-0818. I think we have a call. No, we're open. We're, we're, we're open. Opening the phone sorry, lines. we're opening the phone lines <laughs> as we speak. Uh, and I wanted to ask, uh, Congressman, what you think of the job of your, uh, well, I guess it would be your, your elected predecessor to the Attorney General Post, Eric Schneiderman. Obviously, the end is a different story, but what did you think of his stewardship of the job when he held the job of Attorney General? I think there are a number of very important actions that the Attorney General's office has undertaken that I would continue. I'm thinking in particular, and, and by the way, we should, we should say... Um, Barbara Underwood has done a fantastic job, and I would be thrilled to have her continue in the office in any capacity she desires to have. If you look at the work she has done in recent weeks, 
Um, no doubt building off of the work the entire office did under Eric Schneiderman. There's really important stuff there, making sure women get get free access to information in Title X settings. Reproductive freedom is protected. Uh, looking at, at the environmental actions of that office under the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, stopping the Trump administration from destroying admission standards. If you look at the work that the office is doing right now to go after uh, the administration when they were trying to give permission for people to 3D print assault weapons, and, and a group of attorneys general stopped that. If you look at the injunction the office um, got with other state AGs to stop the transgender ban, these are all critically important actions that were going on before the scandal that need to continue now that are being pr- pr- pursued by Barbara Underwood's office. I'm going to keep that work going and, and double down on it. That's what I was referring to when I talk about the entire array of, of challenges put to New York by the Trump administration. Trump is, is not just one man, though he needs to be held accountable for his own actions. He is an administration that is attacking New York from A to Z. Is there that any I'm singular thing that work? That, and I'm going to and I'm going to build on it. We're going to go to a call in a second. Is there any singular thing that you would identify that the office has sort of neglected or not been strong enough on that you really think your presence in it would would address? Look, you know, obviously we all bring our own skill set to the office. I'm the only person who who is going to hold this office who has had a code word top secret national security clearance. I worked for three years as the White House staff secretary, um, saw every classified document that went to the president of the United States. I was in the White House during an impeachment crisis. That's pretty important experience right now. I've spent six years in the Congress. I've received regular briefings from Rod Rosenstein and the Justice Department on the course of the Mueller investigation. Nobody has the Washington experience that I have in this race. It's so important right now. And I have been in the fight against Donald Trump and the Tea Party and winning at the ballot box uh, on the floor of the House of Representatives just yesterday in court when we beat a challenge uh, from the Republicans. And there's nobody else in this race who can say that. And and honestly, I'm not sure the recent uh, folks who've done the job have had that same Washington experience, but it's, it's an experience that's particularly important now given the threats we're facing from Washington. Okay, we're going to go to a call. Hi, you're on WBAI with Representative Sean Patrick Maloney. Who is this and what's your question? Hi, this is Scott. I just wanted to ask, you know, uh, hearing about taking on the Tea Party and taking on Trump and his entire administration, I wonder how the representative would explain his voting record, which looks like it's something like 30% voting with the Trump agenda. How yeah, I mean, that's a... That's a, that's a cute talking point. Let me tell you what that means. What that means is that I have passed 30 bills into law to help my district in the last six years. That's a pretty good record for anybody in Congress, particularly somebody who's been working in the minority. What do they do? They keep oil barges off the Hudson River. We did that. They make positive train control uh, mandatory on Metro North and Long Island Railroad trains so we don't lose any more of our neighbors to derailment. They help my farmers with better crop insurance. They fight the opioid and heroin epidemic. They help our veterans. My legislation is changing forever the way veterans return home and and interact with their local veteran service organizations. That is a feature, not a bug. That's called doing my job. You're talking to a guy who has beat the Republicans three times in a row in a Trump district as a gay guy with an interracial family, man. I know how to beat Republicans. I also know how to get stuff 
done. Just and quickly, that is the difference between being a politician and being somebody who gets results. Just quickly, I think in the in the last year or so um, that the caller was most referring to in terms of the the Trump era, um, one of those bills, if I'm not mistaken, was was to roll back some of the Dodd Frank regulations. That's something that you you voted with uh, with Republicans mostly on, correct? Yeah, let's be let's be specific because I sure. think that's 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 something that sounds a lot worse than it is. The fact is is that if you look at the small bankers in my district, if you look at the African American Credit Union Association and the African American uh, small bankers, they're the guys who benefited from from easing some of the restrictions on small banks who did not create the financial crisis, who do most of the lending in small communities, like some of the ones I represent. So we have to be smart. Uh, and surgical about how we affect small businesses who are struggling with compliance costs, small banks that are the most important lenders, particularly in communities of of color and in in communities like the ones I represent. So I'm absolutely in the conversation about how to make this economy go better for folks, about how to how to have effective, you know, real regulation, but not to overdo it. And and I call them like I see them, and I will be an independent. Uh, voice in the attorney general's office as well, but that one is that one didn't touch any of the any of the important uh, restrictions we put on the big banks. It didn't do anything to roll back Dodd Frank on any of the important stuff uh, that affects the systemic risks that we saw in the Great Recession. And I support wholeheartedly all of those all of those restrictions on the big guys that caused the problem, and keeping the CFPB and the other regulators in the fight uh, just as strongly as ever. Congressman, you mentioned your service to the White House during the Clinton administration. I'm curious, there's been some questions raised in this current Me Too moment about the impeachment scandal and or the impeachment process and the, the intern scandal that President was involved in. Looking back, do you think that uh, President Clinton should have resigned over his relationship with uh, Monica Lewinsky? Do you think he handled that appropriately at the time? Listen, he, he clearly didn't handle it appropriately. You know, we, it's well documented what a mess it was. And and I, I wish he had more recently when he had the opportunity to reiterated what he what he ultimately said then, which was that he was deeply sorry for the mistakes he made. Now, we know how messy that got. We know that the Republicans were 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 also trying to uh, you know drum up an impeachment proceeding. That whole episode looks looks pretty different in the light of the unbelievable, unbelievable abuses the Trump administration has engaged in and the president personally. Um, so honestly, I think what happened is, is the president was um, forced to concede the truth, to apologize to his family, to the American people and to Monica Lewinsky, which was very important, and to face impeachment in the House and a trial in the Senate. He was disbarred. Uh, there was some accountability there, and I think that's important. You know, the rest is, is, you know, second-guessing a 20-year-old episode. What I'm much more concerned about is right now, today in America, Donald Trump is getting away with murder. And the things that he has done to women, the things he's doing to families at the border, the abuses he has engaged in and paying off porn stars and lying about, lying about it, make the 90s look like, you know, look like Mayberry. I mean, the fact is, is that this administration is getting away with murder and running for attorney general is is important in, in terms of holding them accountable for all of their shady dealings. 
So, Representative Maloney, I think we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, we appreciate the time. We hope uh, possibly to chat with you again either before primary day or after. Uh, I guess no matter what happens in the attorney general race, you'll, be, uh, you'll definitely be around either way, and we look forward to chatting with you more. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. We're back on Max and Murphy on WBAI 99.5, listener-sponsored, non-commercial radio. We just finished speaking with uh, Representative Sean Patrick Maloney, Democrat, who is running for state attorney general. And Ben, quick uh, response, quick reaction to that? Well, you know, I think that he's obviously someone who, (laughs) as we've seen with some of the other candidates in this race, comes with a lot of energy, clearly very much wants this position, or at least sounds like he does. Uh, He's got a very interesting approach. He represents a a swing district. And so he has to recognize, you know, that this is not someone who's from Brooklyn like Tish James or, you know, has been largely based in the city like Zephyr Teachout. You know, he's a little bit of a different type of candidate. 